Our scripture passage for this morning is Luke chapter 19. We'll be uh, again reading verses 1 through 10. So if you have your copy of God's Word with you, uh, turn there in your Bibles at this time. Would you stand, please, in reverence for the Word of God? Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come into this house, because he also is a son of Abraham, for which the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let us pray. Father, may you bless the reading and proclamation of your word Lord, may you help us hear from this man who stood so tall in the pages of Scripture. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's interesting to me that Bibles are like hymn books. And that is we have our favorite passages just like we have our favorite songs. Uh, You know, you could say, well, we like our songs in our hymn book, but I guarantee I could turn to at least 25 hymns real quick that you have never heard of in your life, and you're like, that's in our hymn book? Because we, all churches, kind of have a selection of maybe 50 or 70 hymns that they sing and they like a lot, and Scripture tends to be that way. Uh, We tend to focus on certain things, and especially at certain ages, And the story of Zacchaeus is one of those we may not think much of as adults. But when we are children, we hear that story of Zacchaeus. We all know the song, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and? That's right. A wee little man was he. We all learned that once upon a time back when we were yay high. And I think children have a special connection to Zacchaeus, not only because there's a great song and they get to say the word we, and it's just a fun thing for them to do, but also because they can relate to him. Think about how children relate to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was small. He couldn't see over the crowd. And how many times have children, they, they you know, desperately want to see over the crowd, but Children have to beg, Mom, Dad, will you put me up on, on my shoulders? And, and as a child, you love to get up there where you can see everything. And it's so sad that day when Dad looks down and says, Son, you're too big. What he really means is, Son, I'm too old and my back hurts too much. But you're too big. You can't get up there anymore. 
Well, Zacchaeus was long beyond having a father around to lift him up. And here he was figuring out what he was going to do. You see, Zacchaeus, uh, I, I kind of have to put a little imagination and think that the Bible doesn't tell us his background, but I kind of have a feeling that Zacchaeus grew up feeling small, and not just height-wise. But he was that short kid. He was that kid that everybody made fun of. He was that kid that everybody looked down on, you know, and, and, and he heard all of those comments, all of those cuts, all of those digs about being small. And I have to believe that somewhere Zacchaeus in his mind said, you know what, I will show them. One day I will stand taller than all of them. And so he, he may have never grown in height, but he scrapped and scrapped and worked with a vengeance because he held on to this bitterness in his heart that said, I will show all of them. None of them like me. They all reject me, but one day I'll be over all of them. And he worked, and he scrapped, and he got to where he wanted to be. He found a position as a chief tax collector. Now, here's the way that tax collecting worked back in those days. It wasn't an office that you ran for. It was a, a, a bidding war that you had to win. You see, Rome as an empire, they just wanted their taxes. They didn't care who got them. They didn't care how they got them. And so for every area, they would say, hmm, uh, we're going to have a bidding war. Who will get us the most money? And Zacchaeus said, I can squeeze it out of people better than anyone else. And he put in that high bid. And so he became the chief tax collector. That meant he didn't have to go to your house and come and, and, and get it from you. He sent his henchmen. He sent those under him to come and, and to make you pay whatever he wanted you to pay. And see, he just told you you had to pay. And he was uh, an important official. And you had to do it whether you thought it was right or not. And so the average people uh, of the day, they looked on tax collectors as cheats and liars, even as traitors, because they were collaborating with the Roman oppressors over them. And Zacchaeus found himself in a place where, yes, now he was up on a high seat. He was up on a throne where he could look down on everyone else. He had money. He had power. Uh, he had fame. And yet he realized that all of it left him empty. He'd been pondering this emptiness in his life. How all the stuff that he had achieved did not make him feel any better. It did not make him feel any more loved. Life was still just as empty as it was when he was a weak, poor boy who was made fun of by everyone. They wouldn't make fun of him to his face, but behind his back, he was hated. And he began to think about this emptiness in his life, and wonder what in the world could, be, could make a change. He thought about religion. He thought about God. But the religious types had long ago written him off. You're beyond saving. You're a lost cause. You're one of the evil ones. They'd never give him a chance. But he heard about a guy named Jesus. A guy who was from God and yet... Unlike all of those other religious folks around him, he was full of grace and compassion. Yes, he called people to righteousness, 
But he didn't look at their past actions and behaviors as fixed in stone and indicative of what they would be forever. He offered people a chance at hope and redemption. And he said, I've got to see this man, Jesus. He might be my last hope. No one else will give me a chance, but maybe, just maybe if I look on him, if I look on him, and the Bible tells us, look to me, look to Jesus, just as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness and those who are bitten and poisoned and dying could simply look to that snake that was made. The Bible says Jesus would one day be raised up on a cross, and so all that would look to him would have salvation. And so he wanted to get his eyes on this man, and he found a tree, the sycamore tree. Now, other versions will say sycamore fig tree because it's more like a fig tree than what, than what we might think of as a sycamore tree. And maybe you have a, a little experience in tree climbing. Uh, I do. It's, it's kind of old experience. I haven't done any of it lately, I confess. But, uh, you know, there were some great trees for climbing when I was a kid. Uh, we had a persimmon tree. I could get up. It had kind of low branches. We had some live oaks. You know, I grew up on the coast, and, and some of those live oaks that bent over, and, the, and you could scurry up those. But we had a fig tree right back by our, um, by our shed. And I'll say, I never really liked the figs much till they made it in preserves. So then I loved them. But figs themselves, you know, I didn't love them. But that tree, I remember that it was, it was short. It had a short trunk, and it had just branches all over. It's just like a ladder. And basically, that's what Zacchaeus found. He found this, this tree that he didn't even have to jump up high. He could reach this low branch, and he could climb like a ladder. And he thought, if I can just get a glimpse of Jesus, maybe something will change. And the Bible says that as Jesus was walking that way, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus. All his life, Jesus had, I mean, Zacchaeus had wanted other people to look up to him. They never did until Jesus came along. And Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. We're going to your house today. And there was, there was an urgency there. When you read the biblical text, you see you, this must happen and this must happen today. There was the idea that is all throughout Scripture that today is a day of salvation. Salvation is not something that you simply say, hmm, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll think about that one day. But no, today, while salvation is offered, reach out and grab it while you can. And Zacchaeus ran down. And he found Jesus. And I can imagine him running into the house. And he was a rich man. And he had cooks and servants and maids and all this. And he said, everybody on your feet now. We're throwing a feast. We're throwing a banquet. It's kind of like when someone shows up to the house unannounced. Maybe your spouse did it and didn't let you know. You know, All of a sudden there's an uproar and everybody's running around. But there's before long there is an amazing feast put together. And they're enjoying it. It's wonderful, but some people start to talk. Don't you know that when you celebrate and when life is good and life's going great, somebody has to rain on your parade. Somebody has to say, I, I don't like what's going on over there. 
And these people start to point fingers and they say, look, Jesus is with a sinner. What, how in the world is Jesus with that guy? He, he's a collaborator. He go, he, he's a traitor. He does dealings with the Romans. How, how can Jesus even think about being with him? And the Bible says that Zacchaeus looks at Jesus. And it's interesting here because he says something and Jesus says something. And the Bible's telling us that they're saying it to each other, but yet you can tell that it's for everyone else to hear. Kind of like these children's sermons down here. We do it for the children, right? No, we, we all enjoy the children's sermons. And so Zacchaeus says, Lord, if I have wronged anyone. Uh, first of all, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away all, half of my goods to the poor. Now, you've got to remember something about Luke. The book of Luke talks about the poor and downtrodden a lot. He focuses on them. And he also focuses on <clears throat> how difficult it is to escape serving money and how difficult it is for wealthy people to come to Jesus. Luke is the one that tells us about the rich young ruler who did all the things. He dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. He kept all the rules. And yet when Jesus said, give away your money and come follow me, the Bible tells us that the rich young ruler went away saddened because his money mattered more to him than Jesus. As much as he wanted to love Jesus, money was his God. Jesus didn't demand anything of Zacchaeus, and yet on his own, Zacchaeus looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm giving away half of everything I've got. And here's the thing. In that day, uh, in ancient Judaism, if you were a really generous uh, type of person who, who supported all good causes, you might give away 20% of your income. But if you gave away more than that, they thought, you're crazy. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. In fact, that's not even right. That's just strange. Don't give away more than 20% of your income to anything. And he just shatters that. And, and he says, I'm giving away half what I have. And secondly, he says, if I have cheated or wronged anyone, remember the henchmen taking all they wanted? He said, I'm going to pay them back fourfold. Now, let's understand here that the scriptural dictate, the mandate in the Old Testament, if you cheated someone was 20%. So a 20% penalty. Let's say you cheated them out of $100. You had to give them back $120. But he says fourfold, 400%. I'm going to make it right so that no one can say that they weren't, that it wasn't made right. And Jesus, looking on Zacchaeus, says, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. <coughs> And for the Son of Man, Jesus says, talking about himself, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus knew some things that we all need to know, we all need to understand in this incredible story. Number one, Zacchaeus knew humility. Zacchaeus knew humility. The number one thing that makes people go to hell is not, not murder, uh, it's, it's not adultery, it's not embezzlement, it is pride. 
the sin of pride that began in the Garden of Eden, the pride uh, that in mankind there, but even before that, Satan's pride sentenced him to an eternity apart from God. Zacchaeus understood, although uh, tongues would wag, although fingers would point, he understood that in coming to God, we have to seek him shamelessly. And so what if people laughed when this short, fat little man waddled? And as he struggled up the tree, he didn't care. He said, I'm putting aside all of my pride because I want Jesus more than anything else. Zacchaeus understood to come to God, we must humble ourselves and admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We're not just good people who need to be made slightly better by Jesus. Uh, We're not just in need of an example to follow. We are morally bankrupt without Jesus. We are empty without him, and yet we need him to fill us. We need him to save us, and that is a step of humility. One of the things my uh, dad told me a long time ago, and it's never left me, he said, son, you can never be saved if you've never been lost. In other words, you can never come to Christ until you admit you need Christ. As long as you think you're, you're okay without him, you have no hope of knowing God. But when you humble yourself and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, then you can approach him in humility. Zacchaeus understood humility. He also understood repentance. Repentance is a change of heart and mind. It comes by by realizing my own moral bankruptcy, but then realizing this is so wrong. This is not the way to live. And it's a, a mind change or a heart change. It says, God, your ways are right and my ways are wrong. And that change of heart inevitably results in a change of actions. This is not to say that we clean up before we come to God, that we get our life perfect and then come to him. No, it means that our hearts change. We say, I'm wrong, you're right, I repent of my sin, I'm following you today. And there will be a pattern in our life. There will be an inevitable result. Earlier in the book of Luke, Luke quotes John the Baptist talking to the religious leaders. He said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath that's to come? And then he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, you can talk religious, you can talk all Jesus, you can talk all spiritual all day long. And yet, if your life does not show something of what you're talking about, then something is missing. Something is not real. James said, hey, show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. What I believe inevitably should result and manifest and show up in how I live. And if how I live has nothing to do with what I say I believe, there's a problem. Something is missing. Does it mean we're going to be perfect? No, absolutely not. But my life should be characterized by what I say I believe. Zacchaeus understood humility. He understood repentance. And he understood joy. You're saying, why in the world are we preaching on Zacchaeus in the middle of Advent? Joy. 
the third Sunday, the Bible says that he took Jesus joyfully to his house. You know, he wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I'm a churchgoer now. I'm a good person. He was filled with joy. I love meeting people who've never gotten over their salvation. They have never gotten to the place where they see their relationship with God as something that's just ho-hum, average, or ordinary, but they are filled with joy knowing what they deserve is an eternity in hell, but instead what they have is a relationship with Christ that begins now and goes through eternity. That joy that filled Zacchaeus' heart is the joy that God offers to all of us The Bible talks about this as the joy of our salvation. It's knowing that we have been redeemed from a worthless way of life. Even if you accepted Jesus at seven years old, guess what? You were going down a pattern, your own pattern, and you had to be redeemed. Just because you didn't, you know, live long enough as an unbeliever to go ahead and carry out all those things, that was your direction. That was your path because we are all born to go astray, but we can have a joy when we realize things are different. Did Zacchaeus have a perfect life from this point on? No. Were there people that still talked about him? Yeah. Were there people that still looked down on him? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, Zacchaeus stood tall. I don't care how short he was. On that day when he stood up before Jesus... And everyone else who was sitting and feasting, they saw him stand. He said, Jesus, whatever I have, it's yours. And Jesus knew the heart change that had taken place, the heart behind that statement. And he said, today salvation has come. Because this man is is one of Abraham's children also. And you know what he was saying? Zacchaeus, you belong. Zacchaeus, you fit in. You who've been mistreated and ostracized and cut down and looked over and misunderstood all of these years, you are part of the family of God. You belong. And Jesus offers that sense of belonging that introduction to his family, to everyone who hears the message of the gospel. We're messed up. We might not be tax collectors. We might be respectable. But in our heart of hearts, we've been stained by sin. And Jesus says, come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, I want to thank you for Zacchaeus. He reminds us that so many people are the way they are in large part because of what they've been through and the way they've been treated. But he also reminds us that that it's never too late for anyone, even those of us who, who hear your word today, no matter what we've been through, what we've done, or what's been done to us. God, you offer hope and healing 
and redemption and joy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that today that we would have the humility to admit our condition, repentance to acknowledge that your way is right, our way is wrong, and and we need to go your way instead of our way that we've been clinging to, and that we would receive and live out that joy which you've prepared for us. And God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to